Hey everybody, so before we jump into today's podcast, I just wanted to A, thank you guys, give you a little bit of a reminder. If you enjoy this content, however you're watching it, consuming it, please like, follow, subscribe, whatever you gotta do, comment on it. If you can, leave us a review. It really helps us out and it can help grow our platform and reach more people. And if you know someone that can benefit from this, please share it with them. If you have a question, if you wanna reach out to us, let us know. And then lastly, we have all of our amazing programs, courses, and coaching available in the resources below. So check that out. Definitely take advantage of it. We have everything from free options all the way up to paid programs and everything in between to fit pretty much anyone's budget. And it's just a matter of how customized it's going to be based on the price point. So there's really something for everybody. Thank you guys. Let's get on into the episode. Yeah, fighters. What's up, everybody? It's Mike here with episode 133 of the Life of Fighter podcast. And before we dive into today's episode with professional boxer Mike Stout, we're just going to go over some ads and shout out to some sponsors. First, I want to give a big thanks and shout out to Fat Grips for uh, hooking us up with a set of their Fat Grips uh, for Rogue Combat Club. Fat Grips is an amazing company and product, especially for anyone that wants to improve grip strength and performance, but really anyone that just wants to increase the amount of benefit, really, I guess, or the the amount of value they're truly getting out of their lifts with their Fat Grips. Okay, It's basically um, you're adding width to the bar or the dumbbell or whatever it is that you're grabbing, you can take these grips that have a little slit in it that you can open and put around either the bar, dumbbell, any kind of um, bar-like, even pull-ups, chin-ups, things like that, bar-like shape, you can put it on, gets the grip fatter, which is not only going to engage and recruit more muscles in your forearm, but also the really interesting thing is when you have to stabilize. Um, going up through the joint structure and the, and the kinetic chain of it, it's all right. So obviously the wrist, so the wrist and the elbow joint are going to be two key ones. But even if as you go up to the shoulder joint, now your shoulder joint has to recruit more muscle fibers to stabilize the shoulder because there's putting a higher demand on your grip, higher demand on the muscles coming up onto your limbs, um, specifically obviously on your arms. So you're, you're going to be able to actually recruit more muscles. And for those that are like, well, why do I care about my grip strength? I'm not an athlete. I'm not anyone that really is worried about that particular thing for performance benefit. And obviously, if you're an athlete, you should see the benefit right there. Um, Regardless if you're an athlete that tends to use your hands or not, even soccer players, you're going to have a benefit from recruiting more muscle fibers throughout your uh, upper torso and upper body. But for the fitness enthusiasts out there or just people that are interested in their health, um, again, the more muscle recruitment you're going to get, the more calorie burn you're going to get. And then if you have that balance to not only having your shoulders and your arms strong but your forearms strong as well, you're just going to functionally be able to do more, whether it's even simply opening up a jar or when you shake somebody's hand, as silly as that sounds, especially in the corporate world, the business world, a good handshake goes a long way. So all these little things are going to be a big benefit. But Again, going back to the big benefit, just more calories because more muscle recruitment. So I think that's a huge benefit for everyone across the board. So anyways, shout out to Fat Grips at Fat Grips with a Z on social media. And then you can check them out as well on their website, Fat Grips, F-A-T-G-R-I-P-Z.com. And you can check the link below. Um, Speaking of which, they're now going to be a Life of a Fighter approved brand. We've officially welcomed them on board. It's been something that we've been working with them for a while. At least I've been utilizing their products for a while, but now I want to officially welcome them as a Life of a Fighter approved brand. And that's something that kind of segues into the next, I guess, announcement or thing. I just always like to remind you guys is we're constantly putting together a 
list and just a network of approved brands. And the reason I did this is because obviously we're not going to be doing everything. We're not going into the business of supplement making and and restaurants and all that other stuff, at least not yet. (laughs) Maybe somewhere down the road, 10, 20, 30 years, we'll have something along those lines. But for now, I wanted to make a really comprised, largely uh, put together and thought out network um, that was really curated for the benefit of you guys, the audience, so that you can know, hey, listen, if it gets a life of a fighter stamp of approval, I know I don't really have to worry about it not having the right standards or being healthy or living up to the pars that we live as a brand that you've come to expect from us and myself and all of us here. So you can check out our Life of a Fighter approved brands on our blog. You go to the blog, go scroll down to our category section, and you'll see Life of a Fighter approved coaches as well as Life of a Fighter approved facilities. Or you could just type into our search bar on the right of uh, the website, Life of a Fighter approved or LOF approved, and you'll see all the different companies and brands we work with come up. We're constantly adding them. If you think that there's a company that meets our requirements and standards and you'd like to see them be a Life of a Fighter approved brand, shoot us a message, tag us on social media, at the Life of a Fighter on Instagram, at Life of a Fighter everywhere else, and boom, that is that. Also, be sure to check out Life of a Fighter shop. That's lifeofafighter.com forward slash shop. We have our fitness and nutrition vault up there, as I'm always saying. I think it's probably the best valued item we have up really across the internet. Um, our pro coach programs up there. We have our private training, all types of great stuff, ebooks, our supplements that we like, our different brands, even clothing, all that fun stuff. Check it out. And without further ado, we're going to be jumping into today's podcast, professional boxer Mike Stout. And unfortunately, since we last spoke to Mike, he suffered his first loss. And I thought it was really important to have him come on the podcast to talk about that because A, winning is obviously very important in all sports, but specifically in boxing and specifically for Mike's goals. He wanted to go undefeated. He wanted to have that undefeated career to challenge the greats like the Floyd Mayweather, Andre Ward, all these other great boxers, which I think no matter what, even if you take one loss, I still see him being able to complete his journey of becoming the greatest boxer he can be and, and going down in the record books and all of those great things. It's just a matter of how do we? What, what's the game plan adjusting now, and how does his mindset change with it? It can really defeat an athlete. Like as someone that I've suffered losses a, as an amateur, um, I haven't had enough professional fight experience. I've only had one fight, so I'm still technically undefeated. But I, like again, as you build up and as you grow and you you have more fights, you're gonna lose at some point. For the most part, 95, 99% of athletes are going to lose, right? So I was curious to see how Mike was dealing with that, what his reactions were. And Mike does a great job of documenting all these different things and and really recording it. And he also does a great job promoting that on his YouTube channel. You can check that out below and on his social media, everything, all that's going to be below. And he gave us some really good, honest insight. And I think not only just honest insight, but helpful insight for not just our fight listeners or athletic listeners out there, but really just the entire audience on how to deal with losing. We're going to fight. We all are fighting something every day, and some days we're going to win, some days we're going to lose, and I thought it was really important to hear Mike's breakdown on how he's dealing with the loss, what his game plan is to recover, because he's still crushing it in the gym. He's still kill, uh, killing it and, and just killing himself, working really hard, but he's also just now giving himself, um, I think, a different change in a mindset, so we're going to hear about that, and I'm just really excited to have him on to talk about that. I'm really appreciative of the fact that he was comfortable enough and willing enough to kind of open and go into the details that he did. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Without further ado, let's jump on today's podcast with Mike Stout. 
Yeah, Mike. Thanks for taking the time to join us on the podcast, man. I'm really excited to have you on breaking down recent fights from the weekend, going over updates with you. Got lots of news, lots of things working on. Welcome to the podcast once again, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure, man, as always. So first thing we wanted to start with, because we're breaking down a lot of different stuff, so we're going to kind of see how how we're going to put it all together for you guys, the audience. But the biggest thing that I wanted to kind of bring up and get to, and, and you know, we had talked prior to this, like, how much we're going to dive into it, we'll see. But your most recent fight and, and kind of lead us into the buildup for it, the fight itself, what happens after the fight, where we're at now, and kind of plans coming after it. Okay. Um, you know, I lost my last fight, uh, which is the first professional loss I've experienced. Um, it was tough. You know, I always take every fight seriously. I was well-trained, well-prepared. So when I didn't get this, the decision, I lost a, a majority decision. Uh, one judge had it a draw. The two others had it in favor of my opponent. So initial reaction, I was a little shocked. I didn't, um, I didn't overreact because you know I was still in the thought process of mm, what's going on. I knew the fight was close, but I thought I did enough to win the fight. Right. So. You know, being in that space for any fighter or any competitor or athlete, it's, you know, it's not a good feeling. You know, it, it sucks losing, you know, mm-hmm. simple. So I just remember coming back, coming to the locker rooms, um, fighters there, you know, everyone's trying to tell me I did well. A couple of people told me, you know, they cheated you, you won the fight, Um but for the most part, I, I stayed calm and relaxed because I didn't want to do anything um, or overreact in that situation and then have regrets later. Exactly. You know? So I, I just kind of I went home, you know, went to sleep. Um, obviously, you played a fight over in your mind uh, many times. Um, first thing I did, I took, a, took out a notebook. I wrote down how I was feeling, what I thought I needed to improve on. And I knew I I really had to see the tape to really get a better, clear understanding. And then I went to people I could really trust, like my coach and a couple of my sponsors, a couple of other athletes, to get their opinions on what they thought of the actual fight. And then uh, just try to make the improvements from there. Mm -hmm. So that leads me to... A bunch of different things we can kind of jump off from that, but I want to kind of go back into not just not just the response of like when you hear that decision, how you're trying, you're staying very calm, also trying to figure out what's happening. But let's let's even jump back prior to that before the fight itself, in the preparations and all of that. It, it's never to, I don't like the word an excuse or anything of escape, but just a reflection and looking at oh this was potentially one thing that could have made a difference or did you feel like not just from a preparation standpoint from the weeks and the days leading up to it but was there anything a hiccup or a mess and then after that in the fight um is there anything that because you i'm assuming you you were able to look at the footage right what did you see when you're looking at the footage now you're like all right this is a little spot or or did it just reassure again in your mind because i feel like a lot of times in the fight, you'll get one picture of the fight. You get one memory or one impression of it. And then afterwards, when you look at the video, you're like, it can either reassure you or it can say, all right, you can look at it this part and break this part down. So a little bit, how'd you feel the hours leading up to it? Anything you could point out there? And then now when you look after the fight and you watch the footage, what do you see there? And without, again, giving away too much, I don't want you to kind of 
open up too much on it and, and give yourself a hole. But yeah, I understand. Um, what I did see after I saw the tape was I could have thrown more punches. Now, because of my style, I'm a very slick defensive fighter. Um, I frustrate guys, I pick them apart, and I break them down. And in this fight, I was doing the same thing, but just because it was so close and he was throwing more, although he, he was missing a lot of his shots, but because he was throwing more, I could see why the judges thought he could have been ahead. So that was a mental note that I, I took down for myself. Okay, after watching the tape, I have to throw more, be a little bit more flashy, if that makes sense, in the ring. So it shows that I'm in control. Although, you know, from a technical standpoint, I did feel like I was in control. And when it came to my preparation, um, I always prepare hard, as I always do. But, you know, there's always little things you could improve on. So the advantage of writing everything down is I was able to look back and say, okay, you know what? This is what I did with my last fight. This is what I didn't do for this fight. So Uh I saw very minor things. But, you know, little things can take you a long way. And not to make any excuses, I just need to make more corrections, so to speak. But overall, you know, I was well prepared going into that fight. I feel I was in better condition than my opponent. Um, I was sharper than my opponent. And, you know, maybe I could have let my hands go a little bit more. Maybe I could have been the aggressor just a little bit more. And maybe that would, those two factors could have brought the decision in my favor you know right and you gotta just make the improvements i exactly. still feel i can have a, a great and elite championship career if i stay focused and and, and stay committed to my goals a hundred percent and i think that a the ability to be honest with yourself and say okay this is where we could potentially even point to anything and again anyone that's seen you box and for those that haven't i highly recommend you check out um Mike, you, you do a great job too on your YouTube channel. We have it linked below. Just click on it below. Not only like documenting past things, but also you know documenting your fitness and all that. You could see how hard you work, and also you know when you're doing body weighted movements, the ability for you to add weight on top of it. And then when you look at the weight that you're using in reference to your own body weight, it's actually remarkable. The strength pound for pound, and then the ability to have that cardio go with it. But that's a side note. But looking at your style, right? Like we look at your boxing style. I've seen you box live and on video numerous times. And anyone that watches it, again, check out the YouTube. You got to see it. Um, You're going to know that that's, yeah, you you have a really nice, tight, slick uh, ability to not take damage and implement damage, right? That that Mayweather mindset almost of like, hey, I'm not going to get hurt and I'm going to put the pressure on you. I'm going to break you. I'm going to break your will. And a lot of times I think it gets frustrating and with boxing and with MMA and all this judging, you'll see judges that just may not know what they're looking at and they may have one impression of what they're trying to see. And that doesn't necessarily correlate over to, okay, because you threw, let's say a hundred punches that round and Mike threw 60, but you only landed 20 of those punches and Mike actually landed 35. So he, you're way more efficient with the strikes that you threw or whatever numbers we want to use in percentages. Um, I think that's where it can also get a little frustrating too. And I ask, like, and the reason I, I like kind of bring this up is because sometimes if we try and transition from that nice, tight ability to not only counter, but just get your shots in and not take damage, and then if you have to become more and more of an aggressor, you potentially open up those windows. So is that even a potential slight concern when you try and transition those things? And obviously, 
with Coach Leon and, and the team that you have and what you're going to work on, you're going to tighten up and, and make sure it's not a hole. But is there ever even a concern in the back of your mind or has been in the past? There's, there's always a concern, but that's why you have to practice that stuff in the gym. You know, can't expect to do it in a live fight if you don't practice that in the gym. So mm-hmm. I've been working on that, you know, in the gym. You know, I have some success, but at the very beginning, you know, I'm still getting touched up a little bit, but it's something to, to gradually improve and work on. I feel confident that I'll get it in yeah. no time. And, and I think that it's just a part of, again, developing as a fighter. It's just that development too, because if you think about when you picked up fighting – and when, like, how long you've been doing it versus some of the volume you've seen a lot of other fighters, the progression and the training and the dedication you've put in has been able to be huge, in, in my opinion, from the outsider looking in, in your development. But just the more time you get, the better and better you're going to get, which is exciting to me, too, to see you constantly progress and grow. And I kind of want to use that as a transition of part of that growth is the mindset that you look at it. And I thought this was really important that when me and you were talking before the podcast, even in the days leading up to it, of the value for the audience and having to deal with a loss and what that's like. And, you know, everyone's going to face that at some point in their career. The only person that has never faced a loss professionally is uh, Floyd Mayweather, we'll say, and when you want to take the bigger tiered guys that have been able to then retire. But then again, he might be coming out of time. We'll see with that. Anyways, talk a little bit about taking this loss, growing from it, and even break it down for the audience out there and how you look at it versus letting it break you. Okay. Well, honestly, when it first happened, it kind of did break me in the sense that, you know, my dream, I look up to like fighters like Floyd Mayweather, INJ Ward, they're the best of the best. And they never took a loss. Ricardo Lopez, these guys, you know, they never, nobody beat them. Mm Mm-hmm. So you got to give them credit where credit's due. So that's what I really wanted to do. That's That was my dream. And to work so hard so I can accomplish that goal and then to lose in my fourth fight, that was, you know, that was devastating. But you can't let it affect your confidence, I should say. That's my advice to any anybody, any fighter, anybody competing or doing something. Uh, if you take a loss, be honest with yourself, learn from it. Go to your advisors, people you trust, and uh, not yes men, but people who want to see you develop and grow, and let them tell you the truth on the matter, and then try to make improvements from there. You know, I obviously I can't be an undefeated fighter anymore, but I could still continue to grow, learn, get better, beat these guys, try to get to that championship level, get a rematch with this kid, try to beat him, we'll beat him, and you know, just go from there. You can learn, you can actually learn a lot more from a loss. And I think that's a huge point. And one thing I wanted to to kind of mention is, and there's been numerous, I think, fighters in general that'll get that loss and then what it does to them, you see them come back from it. But I believe I'm going to, the last time I heard this story and the last time I was looking into it, it was a little while ago. So we're going to have to fact check on a bit of this. But I believe it was Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather Jr. that in his last um amateur fight he got screwed on a decision yeah that's true i think he lost the gold medal or something like that um in the olympics and he technically he you know he beat the guy they gave it to the other guy exactly and that's where it really looked and and when you look back and i was watching a documentary that was following this and 
again, I, I didn't want to go into too much of details because it's been a bit of a time, but I know that that's one example to me that if you look at then the rebound coming off of that, and I make that comparison again because the ability of you to be great and execute and do all those things is all there. And then it's the, the choice afterwards of, okay, if whether it's a matter of getting robbed or of whatever, whatever the judges are doing and in that situation, you don't have control over it. Being able to come back and do exactly what you just said, just not lose the confidence. I think that's the biggest thing. And how do you, because it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to be able to do it and showcase it and carry it and be in training. And, you know, you're not avoiding the gym. You're getting back in the gym. You've been in the gym. It's not like you went anywhere. But doing that, getting to the gym, showcasing it and coming back and prepping for the next fight and, and keeping that confidence. Is there anything important to you that you made sure that you did to keep your confidence? Or is it just a matter of time and mindset? I think it's a matter of time and mindset and maturity. Um, I think when I was younger, as an amateur, early 20s, if I took a loss, that would really affect me in my mental state. And I, did, I would start questioning myself and say, damn, was I, you know, was I really that good? This guy beat me. I, maybe I'm not who I think I am. But as I got older and after I dedicated so much time and energy into the sport, and I know I gave it 100%, so taking this loss, I didn't see it as something devastating. I didn't start to question my ability. I just looked at it and and processed what happened and said, okay, you know what? This is just a sign that I need to work on certain things. I need to make some changes. And hopefully that takes me to the next level. Bam. Well said, Mike. And I pre- and honestly – one thing I wanted to say too is that it takes balls to be able to publicly talk about this and not only publicly talk about it, but to do it so so fresh from it off the fight. And then, you know, it's it's one thing to talk about a loss after you've got a win to rebound yourself back, or it's been years later and you can just reflect on it. It's still pretty fresh and it's still something that's been recent and there hasn't been another fight in between yet. So it's not it, it, it's again, you're creating a vulnerability there that I think is something to respect because you don't have to do this. You don't have to talk about it. You could say, when we even discussed it prior, you could have said, Mike, you know what? I really don't even want to bring that topic up. Let's just avoid it. And I would have been cool with that. I would have ho- totally understood too. And that's how a lot of fighters would want to address it. But the fact that you look at it, face it on, don't try and ignore it, saying, yes, I'm going to reflect and watch the footage, learn from it, let my coaches, my team, whoever the trusted people to look at it and give input and get better. I think that's an amazing. And that's why I really wanted to take the time for this part of the topic and showcase you guys. I just want to stress this to everybody to how hard it is, especially for someone that doesn't compete and you're listening to take a loss and then have to discuss, especially as a professional. Um, I really appreciate that, Mike. And I know the audience is going to get a lot of value from it. So Thank with you. that being, I appreciate it. And you know, it's crazy. I think I gained like a lot of fans, more fans um, because I took the loss and it was, it was a little, you know, strange because I had so many people reach out to me and tell me, you know, keep your head up, keep going forward. And that was something I didn't really expect. Yeah. And and you always think you have to win, right, to, to have that. But and that's what I think is amazing about fighting is you can, whether it's winning the crowd over or winning over new fans or whatever have you, is acting with and carrying yourself with a certain level of respect goes more and goes beyond um, I think even more than it could if you're just like, all right, I'm going to get a win, but you're going to kind of go about it in the wrong way and carry yourself in a certain way that's not really a manner that people are going to want to respect and look up to and be. So again, that's that's my two cents on that. <clears throat> and I just wanted to kind of take, take a moment for it. And 
going after that, it was it's been busy time for fighting right now, and that kind of leads us into this past weekend. We had Canelo versus Triple G, the rematch. That was and, a good fight. Yeah, and I was able to finally uh, rewatch it prior to um, the storm on the Carolinas hitting and cutting out some power for a little bit. Excuse me, but once I was finally watching it, you know, I because I, I heard that Canelo had won by decision, and I, you know. I heard some people say, and majority actually people that I talked to were like, you know what, it was it was a good decision. I, I agree with it, but there were still those people that are going to argue and, and make the point of Triple G easily won that one, and, and you're always going to have that in the boxing world. And I actually, after watching it, um, I do see that that where you could give Canelo the decision. I definitely um, understand. I was actually really excited to see the just little adjustments that were made. You know what I mean? It, it felt like it was a little bit more aggressive with the strikes, even if it's just not overall output even more. It's mm-hmm. just the pop behind them, how they were landing, the going back and forth. That was the really exciting part for me. Uh, what would you think about it, Mike? Talk to me about decision first and then what you thought about just the action after the first matchup. Excuse me. I thought it was a, the correct decision. I thought Canelo won. Uh, he was in control. He dictated the pace. Um as a fight, it was a great scrap because from a technical standpoint, both fighters, they showed the real, uh, the sweet science. But Canelo was just a little bit sharper, faster. Uh, he was setting up a lot of traps and he was catching uh, Triple G and many of those traps he was setting up. Uh, overall, a lot of action, great fight. I was highly entertained. I watched it like three or four times, um, especially with Canelo. Uh, his boxing skills, his improvement, the way he's going, I see him being, you know, real top elite Hall of Fame champion if he keeps it up. And Triple G, he's already Hall of Famer with his 20 title defenses, so. Kind of a win-win, right? Like, you yeah, can yeah. take away that I, action. I don't think he'll, you know, fight too much longer because he's, he's 36 years old. He probably has yeah. maybe like one or two big fights and then, you know, call it a day. And now if you look at it, and I thought this was an interesting point that I had heard on um, the another podcast I was listening to was the idea that if you just look at it from not a fan perspective but also from a business perspective, it's better for the fight game and for the promoters and for, for everybody for Canelo to win this one because, again, he's younger. I think he's, what, 26, 25? I think he's 28, 28. 28? Okay, so he's, you know, he's still in his 20s. That yeah, means he's, he's got – Good, good future ahead of him. Volume of fights, more money to be made. And again, like you said, Triple G, he's 36. He's getting towards the end of the career. Even as a great Hall of Famer, there's only so much time you have left in in the bank that to go off of. And from a financial standpoint, you're going to make more money off Canelo winning this one. And I always wonder for myself personally, the role that plays in the judges, the role that plays in the refs, the role that plays in the back end world. And how much it really influences it. And I was just curious to get your thoughts. As someone that's obviously more integrated into the entire boxing community, when we talk about corruption, we talk about the influence there, how much of a role do you think that really plays versus just he genuinely just won with his pressure and everything out, which I agree with from a decision standpoint, it was him. But do you think it could have been uh, slightly favored towards him if it was closer than what it was? You see, unfortunately, that's also a major concern. Even with my fight, um, I was concerned about the politics behind it and possible corruption. But as an athlete, I can't focus too much on that because if I do, I probably wouldn't box anymore. Uh huh. Exactly. So, you know, to to keep that positive mindset, I try not to get too 
involved or too deep when it comes to that aspect of the sport. Now, when it comes to the Canelo Triple G fight, um, that's always something that could have an influence. I don't think it had an influence in this particular fight because I thought Canelo was dominant enough to win the fight. But yeah, it's something you always have to consider. And it's unfortunate. Whoever sells more, who's the biggest star, usually has everything in their favor. So you, you never know. You never know. Once there's a lot of money to be made, anything can happen. Things can change, right? And I think that's a really interesting point. That's an honest point. And I think the other question I kind of wanted to get your perspective on too was, if you ask me, I think Triple G won the first fight from looking at the highlights. And I didn't watch it live, but I watched a recap of it. Yeah. And I really actually would think that Triple G should have gotten the nod on that one. And even if not, it's still a draw. So when you look at this fight and Canelo gets the win, it either could be one apiece or one zero with a draw. And I'd like to see a rematch. So we get our, our not a, a, our third, our trilogy fight. What do you think about that third fight? And then if technically let's say Triple G wins that third fight, it will be one apiece with one draw. Then you get a fourth fight even. So this kind of could have been the best case scenario from a fan perspective, getting the quality fights out of it, if they can kind of keep the same style of the second fight. You know, that is true, but I think they would have to do the third fight um, right away. And I don't think I don't see that happening because I think there's still other bigger fights out there, uh, different matchups, um, possibly with the Charlos, Billy Sanders, Lemieux with his knockout win. Um, so I just see there's a lot of opportunities and possibilities, and I don't think Canelo would go right away to take that third fight because you know he just won, he just beat him, he took all yeah. the belts, so he still has. More fights, more possibilities. He might fight Danny Jacobs. There's so many things that he could do that I don't see him having a third fight right away. It could possibly happen down the line, but I don't see it happening in his next fight. And that's a great point to look at the matchups. And again, like you said, looking at the future, is it worth trying? And again, depends on how we look at it from a money standpoint. Like, is it worth... um, trying to get back to it when you know that fight's going to be there no matter what kind of a mindset. Like if you're going to say Canelo Triple G for the the trilogy, I think that'll get excitement two years from now even, so long as, again, neither of them are losing it and dropping off in some random event. Yeah, very Um, true. But ultimately, I think it's also a great point to take advantage of the marketing hype of they just had their rematch. You would want to have it now from from that standpoint to make it easier. But like you said, he's got all the bells. What's the win – to to risk or risk reward ratio there yeah absolutely. um so yeah but i would definitely like me personally just from a selfish standpoint i would want to see it just to be able to say all right what do we really got now and I, i'm a i'm a little biased towards triple g i just like his, his style, style. <laughs> exactly i just like how he goes about it man and, and that's obviously an easy way to say it but i really truly do not to take anything away i think canelo is again as an exciting fighter especially when he's landing how he landed in the, in the second fight yeah. that was you know you, you can definitely win me over with that but there's some other outside of the ring things like he ate too much mexican meat supposedly <laughs> and all this. it's like dude just yeah i know you i know you can't be a hundred percent honest because there's a marketing thing behind it but like Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really believe that when when that happened. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, I don't like cheaters. That's basically it. Be earn exactly. it the hard way. You know, be honest. Do what you got to do, and then and really earn it. So, 
you know, I don't know the full details behind that. I was going into the fight, I was rooting for Triple G because of that whole stint. Um, but you know, I got to give the guy credit. He's his boxing skills are phenomenal. And yeah, they just great. match up so well together, right? The styles, how they can go, and the experience of it too. Like I, I think it would be a different fight if you caught them at different points in their career. But right now is a really nice time for it. So one thing, so I think we're gonna leave it at that for our part one, Mike. I kind of went over by a minute on my timer. Oh, we hit so twenty four minutes. Yeah, that's good. Um, but I think that might be a good like kind of pause point. Yeah, and yeah, then we can good. also break down after that and see what we got for like UFC, then future matchups and stuff like that. Okay. You can pause it. I'm good. Bam. So I just wanted to say thank you guys again for watching, listening, consuming that episode. If you guys enjoyed it and you haven't already, please like, uh, please comment. If you haven't reviewed, please leave a review. If you haven't followed or subscribed, please do that as well. Again, it tremendously helps us out. And then just a quick reminder, if you guys want more resources, we have them below. We have our programs, everything from free all the way up to paid and kind of everything in between dial in with the customization and we have more information on different programs and resources in our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up for that, do so below. It's free and that is it y'all. See you on the next one.